You're listening to Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My name is Eric Rattensperger. In this episode, I speak with Justin Pearson, probably best known for his work in The Locust, and one of my all-time favorites, Swing Kids. He is the founder of 31G Records and also plays in Dead Cross with Mike Patton of Faith No More and Dave Lombardo of Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies. Justin is also one half of the assaulting electronic endeavor Planet B in collaboration with Luke Henshaw. He just finished recording the second Dead Cross record and will be touring with The Locust later this year. Needless to say, there's a lot going on in Justin's world. We discuss everything from ethics, hatred and violence within the punk community, creativity and expression, and the difference between what we are versus who we are as people who grew up in the punk scene and are still trying to figure it all out. This is the first time Justin and I have ever spoken, though the conversation felt as if we've already met. So without further ado, here is episode number four with Justin Pearson of The Locust and Dead Cross. myself how how are we even going to dig in like where are we even going to begin yeah well, like where do we start those are great i i do because i do a podcast too and I, and I always start my podcast with just one question and then then that's where we go you know <laughs> there's, there's your route well here's the first question then okay okay <laughs> justin pearson in 2020 what's going on fucking a man way too much stuff um not in a bad way, but um, I think like, yeah, way too much stuff. Uh, in Creative a, in a, stuff, personal yeah, stuff, well, like, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I, I thought about it actually earlier this morning because I was, um, I have, I was talking to my manager about like all these things that are going on, and I just got out of uh, like a longer session up in Los Angeles recording a Dead Cross record, and now I'm in San Diego, which is nice, I'm recording an, another album with. Uh, Lucian um, from the Satanic Temple. It's like a sort of Planet B project. Uh, there's like a couple other projects that I have going on too, and 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 like uh, so yeah, it's it's weird and crazy. But then, and so I thought like, man, why why is there so many things happening? And and it, I think part of it is like, I mean, I guess the bigger thing is like, look at this world we live in, and like all these things to me seem sort of relevant. It's my outlet to deal with like. I don't know, like frustration and anxiety and stress and stuff. It's like, a, it's a way to kind of communicate. But then also I feel like, um, I'm not getting any younger. Like I better do all this shit right now. <laughs> you know, cause it, I think like when I was like starting to play music, like when I was 15, it, it, everything was like slower and it kind of, I don't know, each, like a whole year's cycle seemed a lot longer than it does now. I actually just had this conversation with someone, um, this past week about, how the difference between 2020 or like, like current, you know, currently versus when, when we kind of started playing music and, and started, you know, discovering our creative outputs back then when you're younger, there, it was a much different landscape, right? You, you're oh, less yeah. inundated with messaging and shit, you know, just like, <laughs> I feel like there's, there's no rest. There's no, there's no time for your brain to recalibrate. You know, everyone's addicted to their phones. Everyone's addicted to the internet. Whereas when we were younger, 
you were kind of more in the moment, you know? And I think with punk rock in particular, it, it's, it's a culture that, that almost it like requires you to be present with your friends and like the, the things that you're creating together. Also the things that you discover, I feel like are more special. Agreed. I, I have this problem with one of my bandmates who, who manages to kind of post a lot of stuff on social media. It's interesting to like see the sort of, um, I don't know, like the, the, like, it's just like, it's like, Oh, well, here's, here's everything that this person's doing right now. Like, you know, or maybe not everything, but you're just like, do I really need to, does everybody really need to see this? And that's fine. Like I, I, I love that person or people are, everyone's fine with what they want to do, but I wonder what their objective is like in sense of like, let me share everything <laughs> with everybody, you know? And and then I'm like, well, I gotta, like, it's there. I said, I end up looking at it and I'm like, oh, I just, there goes that 10 seconds of my life, you know, or whatever, you know, I mean, I'd rather like kind of try to, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I would rather like, not look at my phone and not look at a computer screen and like kind of try to connect with like sort of what's in front of you or, you or, know, you, like, I mean, not like, I don't want to sound like a hippie, but you know, like with, with like at real nature or like humanity or something where you're like, you know, let me sit with this person and, and have a conversation and not be looking at my phone or like, you know, not go out to dinner when we're both looking at our phones. Like that just seems fucked, you know? And it's just like people's etiquette is changing. And I think people's expectations of, I don't know. I mean, everyone wants you to reply instantly, you know, and I'm like, dude, I don't have the time for this. You're, you're echoing back like my, my exact thoughts on all this. Yeah. I, I find it really sad when you're like, you're out and like, you're looking at this table, like if you're at a restaurant and you look at this table with a couple and, and like, they're both just buried in their phones and the food yeah. on the table and it's just fucked. I mean, and, I'm uh, sure I do that sometimes with my partner, but I have to apologize. Like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I have to get this, I have to reply to this. Like, I'm sorry, you know, also too, but like, you know, I, like I work for myself, you know? And so it's like, I, I do, it's not like I can just like, Oh, I left work. Like I'm, I'm free until like tomorrow when I go back, it's like, uh, I, I work for myself. So there's like, there's things that need to get t- taken care of like now, unfortunately, you know? So, I mean, I think that there's an understanding of it. And I'm not necessarily happy with it, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? Maybe we should just change the subject. <laughs> Maybe we should change the subject because I do think about it. Like, you know what? Like, I'm not an anarchist. I would like to be one, but um, I'm glad that I don't have a job where I have to work for someone. And, and yeah, there's added stress where it's like, I don't have financial stability and I don't have, you know, I don't know what I'm doing half the time in, in life. But like, at the same time, it's like, I don't have to deal with like this asshole manager at a, at a, at a job, like telling me, you know, that I'm doing something wrong or criticizing me and all for just like the sheer sake of someone's capitalist endeavors, you know, it's, it's, it seems totally. So uh, there is a, an upside to it, you know, like fuck. And at the same time, it's like, I remember when we started playing in punk bands, like I remember like feeling so excited about getting a letter from someone in Germany about my first band, you know? And like now, I mean, you can, get that instantaneously you know like no, within know. an hour i can have someone contact me about a about a about a record you know from germany or wherever but back then it was it blew my mind you know like holy crap my my record got to you know wherever bremen or something you know i couldn't wrap my head around it i know so. it, it's it's like two different worlds and i think younger punks the way they're discovering music is it, simply not the way it was when when we were back back then and kind of like to your point about the whole, um, you know, work thing and, and kind of, I mean, it almost seems like 
over these years, you, you have successfully carved out your own world just by the things that you create. I mean, you started playing music when you were, what, 13, 14 years old? You, you, uh, when, did, when did Struggle start? Well, I was 15 when we started Struggle. We started then, it actually on my birthday. Yeah, so 15. Now I'm 44. It's a long time. It's, it's basically your whole life that you've been operating at, at this scale, you know, at, at this level of uh, mindset and approach. And, you know, speaking of, of like receiving letters or, or a record uh, in the mail, it's funny because I told my friend Jeff, who plays in my band, that we were going to talk. And he's like, oh, shit, you know, I actually think I got a letter from Justin and like a, a 3-1-G patch. And this was like 20 years ago. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, again, that kind of stuff blows my mind how how people or kids back then, they connected with the things that, you know, that made them feel like they're a part of something, you know, sure. like for, you know, just a personal note, like I remember way back when, when, I mean, so I'm 40, so I'm a, I'm a little younger, but you know, not, not too much younger. And so like when, when records like, 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 like struggle LP or like the swing kids, uh, seven inch came out, we were lucky enough to have a local venue that had like a small distro slash like record store. And I think it was Jeff who actually came across the swing kids seven inch. And that was actually my, my first real um, introduction to sort of what, what was like almost the very beginning of what you were creating as a musician. And it's just, it's wild for me to be talking to you now because we think about just how much, how long ago that actually was and, and how much of an effect it had on sort of the rest of the trajectory of, of myself as a creative person and musician. I just think it's wild. I was going to ask, what, what was your world like back then when you were younger and you were making records with Struggle and, and then not too shortly after uh, Swing Kids? Well, it's such a that's such an interesting question because, uh, for one, I I I I look back at probably like eighty percent of the stuff that I've done, I guess musically, and I and I kind of kind of like cringe at it, but I'm like, oh god, like why were we doing that, you know? But then I think like you know, especially like in struggle and stuff, like well shit, you know, I was fifteen and sixteen, it's fine. But then I I kind of don't necessarily give myself a pass so much in 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 swing kids because I think it was very naive on my part. I think. The rest of the band was really good, and and I, and I didn't really know what I was doing, you know. And I, so I, I I have a problem with it, but it just at the same time it's like, well, I mean, we were kids, and it was a weird world we lived in. I mean, we were, you know, especially in 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 the, you know in America during the first Gulf War, and I don't know, like, uh, you know, kind of like growing up, kind of like in shitty neighborhoods, and like having to deal with like stuff in San Diego was really tense because of because of I think being so close to the border and there was a lot of like institutionally racist stuff happening and a really racist stuff happening. So there was, it was just, it was weird. And I, you know, at the same time, it's like being 20 trying to find your, your, yourself, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, like dressing weird and punk and, and, and acting absurd and like trying to provoke people or trying to like dealing with your own teenage emotions, you know, or, or your failures or whatever, you know? And so it, it was, it's like such a weird thing to kind of, reflect on because it's like, yeah, now, I mean, I don't have my shit together per se, but like, I definitely understand life a, a bit more and I can definitely make, navigate things uh, a, lo a lot better. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I had a question um, 
kind of just scratched down that I was going to ask how your perspective evolved like over the years on uh, punk rock in general, sort of like the mindset of punk and, and sort of where you started as a young punk and to where you are now. So you you kind of touched on a lot of that. Just now. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I, I was totally arrogant and, and naive about things. And, but I think that's what most people that are younger I, I assume go go through, you know. I mean, I think every it's sure. weird. I don't want to sound like an old person, which I don't feel like one. And I never, never. <laughs> well, some people, I don't know. I see people that are like ten years younger than me, and they look and act like they're twenty years older than me. So it's oh, it's completely. It's a weird. I'll say like I think like you know having punk ethics keeps you younger and maybe um, being tapped into creativity in general. I think. And also just being clear in like who you are and like what, at least understanding what satisfies you on a, on a deeper creative level. I, I think that kind of contributes to, to keeping you, and I'm, maybe not necessarily young, but you certainly have a different awareness than the person who kind of goes a normal route, I guess, with the nine yeah. to five. But at the same time, people that don't have those sort of like that moral compass that, that punk has given a lot of us, like you look at regular people, I guess if that's a term that we could use, like you look at them and you're like, what, like, you know, like I look at people that are 44 and they just act like a dipshit, you know, and, and totally like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? You're an adult. Like, are you, you have children and you're acting like an asshole Mm -hmm. and your kids are, you know, like, so, I mean, there's a lot to it, you know, but, um, I think like you said something about like trying to figure out like, or like you said something about knowing who, who you are. And I think that's an interesting terminology because like i think and i hope most people are constantly trying to learn who they are but i think like what the what the the benefit of like us discovering like you know like punk and hardcore and stuff and having that sort of like uh ethical structure um you know to kind of reference um wasn't necessarily helping us find out or telling us who we were but it was telling us what we were so we knew like what we were but we were trying to find out who we were in life. And I think that there's like kind of two different like variables between, between those, you know, that, that do intersect, but, but at the same time leaves you time to kind of grow because like, I'm trying to find out who I am still like, cause I'm changing for the better, you know, I, I think, um, as I, as I age or whatever, you know, so, so that's something that I think a lot of people maybe aren't necessarily aware of, you know, who you are and what you are, are, are two different things. And also kind of tie into each other. Yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting perspective. I never really thought about it that way. You know, I kind of I kind of used uh, punk rock as something to help sort of feel like I had. A, you know, it basically contributed to my identity, I suppose. But I guess, like in terms of the 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 what versus who, it's like it's like okay, like. I'm a punk, but I'm not sure where I'm going to be in five or 10 years or how I'm going to see things or what I'm going to go through and experience in, in, you know, and that kind of stuff obviously affects who you are. Um, yeah. And, but um, think about this too. Like, I mean, I don't know exactly what you did uh, when you started playing music, but like a, a lot of people, a lot of us weren't able to like go to college and get a career and, and plan out like a family. Like you kind of just were like, I'm doing this right now because, 
for whatever reason, there was a sense of urgency, you know. I mean, I remember trying so hard to go to college. And granted, part of my push to go to college was that I got a lot of financial income and I was broke. And so I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to go to college and like get a bunch of money to survive off of, you know. And, <laughs> right. and, I, and, I, and I was grateful for that. But at the same time, I, I kept thinking like, oh, shit, I'm going to go on tour. I have to kind of drop out, you know, or like cancel my classes and then I'll try to pick it up next semester. And then eventually it just kind of didn't. You know, I have a whole bunch of credits and no and no degree. But like a lot of people are just like, well, I'm gonna spend all this money and get a degree. Uh, you know, even if you're like a, an artist, you know, or even a musician, like I'm gonna get this this degree at this college, and then they have like debt that's never gonna ever go away. And, and then you know, it's like they have a career that they're kind of like maybe sort of struck like that's like structured or, or their their life is structured around. So like for me, I mean, I feel like I could just not go do anything, but I could, I could, I, I'm able to like, say like, I don't know, like I try, I, like I did this cartoon voiceover thing for a, a, a grandpa. Like I really wanted to start, I would love to just have that be my career. <laughs> like I want to be a cartoon voice from now on, from now on, you know, that'd be so rad. And it was really fun and cool. But I think a lot of people like don't get that opportunity because they're not able and maybe they're not allowing themselves to because they're like well i went to college this is my this is what my degree is in this is my career this is what I, what's defining me so i'm this and like and that's that you know and well yeah me, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a very specific cycle or, or process you know it's like you go to school to get your degree you get your degree to get a job and you know get a job get the bill pay off your school <laughs> to pay off your it's school like it's kind of a fucked up system honestly um yeah and like i i've, I've kind of dipped my toe into it as well you know i mean i went to school and I, I've done, um, you know, I've had, I've had different types of jobs. I mean, in creative fields, you know, um, working for like brands and clothing labels and stuff, but I mean, it's just like a different direction, you know, versus flying by the seat of your pants and, you know, being in bands, going on tour, uh, making records, which actually I was going to ask you about, you mentioned you were in school and you received financial aid. I actually read somewhere that you founded 31G through, uh, the money that you received for financial aid. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, that's how I put out the first two records, maybe, maybe three um, before I fully dropped out of school. But um, yeah, they would give me, you know, like, cause I, I think, well, I, I only had a mom and, and, you know, her, I guess her income was not a lot or whatever. So, you know, a single parent who didn't make much. So I got like quite a bit for financial aid and, and, and I was living in this, you know, like in this punk house and my rent was like, I think $75 a month or something, you know? So, so like, you know, I would just try to steal the books or like buy them used or whatever and like have very little rent. And like, so I ended up having like a good amount of money to kind of put in. And, and again, like the first two, three, one G releases were like, um, scammed, uh, covers from Kinko's. And so the, the, the cost for like, I just knew, I figured out a way to like kind of hustle and and like get these records out and i was lucky that it was unbroken and swing kids and not just like a random band that only plays in san diego you know it was like right kind of had a lot of momentum right out of the gates you know and and i and i and i am grateful for that but yeah so that was how i was able to pay for it because i mean i had a job too but you know i mean how, how do you uh how are you 19 and have a job when you're able to put out uh you know i don't know a seven inch like that's exp it's expensive you know it's amazing to see that 3-1-G is still going strong today. So, I mean, this record label has effectively been in existence for, well, if you founded it in the mid-90s, right? It was like around 95 or? Uh, 94, yeah. 
but I mean, crazy, it's not man. really going strong. It's a lot of it is like smoke and mirrors. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on two records that I would love to put out. One of them, I, two, yeah, and I don't, I don't have any money. I can't, I, I can't afford, I can't afford to get them into production right now. And it's just, it's kind of a bummer because I'm, I think they'll sell really well and they're, they're cool. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't have the money for it. Just, I get it. It's, it's crazy how expensive it's actually become to press vinyl. It's, it's so hard and yeah you know but but i would say the cultural impact that 31g has made over the years is is incredible i mean i think that i think of like festival of dead deer for example huh. that's another that's another band that that really it, it really helped create my world when i was younger when i was starting to really discover you know this kind of version of hardcore and as an east coaster you know, we, we were coming to know of like San Diego being the place where all these bands were coming out of. And I think it's amazing how you and, and your, your friends and all these other bands that you've collaborated with and put records out for have really, you've kind of carved out this space for yourself in, in like the, the, the culture of punk rock. It's really impressive. You know, beyond the music, beyond the bands, what I also found or find really really impressive is sort of the visual direction. Like, can you talk about just the overall aesthetics of 31G? Where, where would you say that all comes from? And is it coming from you? Is it coming from multiple people? What's, what's the, well, first of all, thank you for all the, the nice things you said. Um, yeah, sorry for but, rambling. <laughs> no, no, it's, I, I appreciate it. But I, mean, I think it's, um, for one, it's not just me. So it's everybody. It's everybody involved. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, I guess like we could talk about Festival of Dead Deer, like that, that their aesthetic and their vision wasn't really, I didn't say like, hey, put this on your cover or have this be your layout. It was just, we all were kind of part of this community and that was what they wanted. And, you know, and like, it seemed fitting, you know, I mean, there's, there's some releases that I think that 3-1-G's put out where I wouldn't have been my choice of, of artistic direction, but it, it's not my place to say what someone should do just like no one's ever said you know i've never been on a label like you know anti or ipecac or something where they're like oh this this cover is not going to work or this you know this vibe is you know is it going to work but i think for us in san diego and like i mean for one is you know i i can I, i'll say i i was really influenced by gravity records vinyl communications um you know we're both san diego labels and and so that was kind of like um they, it definitely definitely had this like sort of DIY thing, and, and it was really open as far as like genres were concerned and stuff. So it kind of had this really eclectic mix, and and so you could kind of get away with without having like specific definition. Like this is our vibe. Like we're this kind of label, and this is the kind of bands we put out. It's like you could kind of do whatever you wanted, and it and it made sense to most people because it was general and it was. It was open or at times vague or, or confusing or whatever, you know? And I, I think like that, that's the thing, you know? And so when it, when, when with 3-1-G, when it would like leave San Diego, I mean, the festival that deer was from Los Angeles, but you know, they might as well have been from San Diego. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess there's like a, it's only two hours away, you know, two, three hours away driving or whatever. But like, it's, I, I feel like there is a, a, a definite like, difference between a between them and, and and like say swing kids or something but at the same time there's that the differences are also important too you know you don't want to keep putting out the same exact stuff over and over and so i think with 31g it was like we were able to kind of put out whatever we wanted as long as we were sincere you know and that and i i think maybe that might be a big deal because 
there are a lot of kinds of, of, of punk and hardcore bands and, and, and labels and stuff where they'll, they'll stick to a genre and you end up like kind of doing things that are uh, replicated of, of something else or maybe just not as genuine as, as you would want it to be, you know? And, and you see that a lot with like, I think a lot of straight edge bands are like, no offense to straight edge, you know, but there's a lot of that or even like just punk rock, you know, like you, you kind of, you're like, okay, this is it. You know, we have to like have this like nihilistic attitude and this like sort of like sort of, I don't know, whatever vibe or I think, I think that's, uh, I mean, it just sucks that people kind of fit into these categories or follow these, these, like these reference points or guidelines where we're like in San Diego, it was just from the start. I think everybody was like, we can do whatever we want. And the well, only thing that really matters is if we feel that it's sincere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, what drew me to labels like 3-1-G and uh, Gravity. Actually, the, the band A Day Called Zero was one of my favorite releases on Gravity. Uh, yeah. Who were, you know, it was, it was a group of, of band members from other, other, other groups. I think uh, Antioch Arrow people were in that band. I don't know who was in a day called zero, but I I think maybe Toby from from Struggle was in it, which is kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but that was like mm-hmm. one of those things. I think it was like not a normal band. It was like a project, and maybe played a handful of shows, and then that, right. that was it. You know. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how I came across it. A friend of mine might have, I don't know, he might have found the LP somewhere and played it for me. And and again, when when you're in that world where you kind of have access to what's in front of you or to what you come across, whether you know it's at a show or or you find it at a distro or wherever when you come across a a record like that it's really special you know because then you don't really know like where else to go to get information you know it's just like this sort of mysterious nondescript lp and and it's like what what, who are these people and and how are they like what what's their world for me i always kind of uh i would always see to other styles as as well because my immediate scene was just it was just all hardcore but on the side i was always trying to listen to other stuff like you know the gravity stuff or um but yeah i mean that's that's i think what i always appreciated uh of the sort of gravity slash 31g artist is that it, it's an eclectic mix but it still felt like everything was genuine and these kids are like like true artists you know and and what they do and the kind of music they make but that's debatable i mean you know like art is it could be garbage to one person and it could be the most genius thing to another person so you know like were were my friends or the people on 31g geniuses yeah i think they all were you know but but i mean who 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 have i to who cares what i my opinion is you know (laughs) But you know, I would also say, like, you know, a lot of a lot of us. I think Gravity before Three One G for sure was like really influenced by Discord, and and then when Three One G was starting, we were really influenced by Vermiform. You know, so it mm-hmm. kind of it's not like a West Coast or a, a Southern California thing. It's it's kind of it's everywhere. You know, I mean, I think that like I think there's this like little sort of like you know whatever a family tree thing goes. It's massive. It goes everywhere. So the Locust did a tour with Jenny Piccolo and Reversal Man. That was one of the the more standout tours that I've ever come across in punk rock. And I wanted to ask you, how 
how did that come about? How did the bands connect? How did you connect specifically with Reversal of Man? Where did that, that friendship come from? Beats me, man. I mean, I think like the world was, I don't want to say it was like smaller back then, but, but it, it was in a sense mm-hmm. because like, you know, like the Locust and Jenny Pickle were going out on a tour pre-internet. So we ended up probably calling someone in Reversal of Man to do a show over there, you know? And then it was like, Hey, let's do more shows or dates. You know, and it was like, I think it was one of those things where like Reversal of Man was it, 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 the equivalent of, of what, you know, Jenny Piccolo and the Locust were like, uh, you know, uh, like it was the same weird shit. Like we were mm-hmm. all, we were all like on that sort of like level, I guess, you know, like open to being creative and, and like being, you know, um, antagonistic and just whatever, you know, like, I think like that was the thing. It's just, it's like, uh, we're, we're all cut from the same cloth. And so I, it just made sense. I, I don't know, like, I don't know who or how the, the conversation started with, with that, them doing the tour with us, but I think it was just a, a thing. And it was like, you know, and instantly once everybody met, like we were, everyone was family. Well, I, I, I love that so much how it, it's almost like you don't even have a definitive answer. It just kind of happened. It did happen, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what else would have happened? You know, like we would have went on tour with a band that we didn't like, and then it would have been us against them. You know, I mean, that's right. that's happened too. It's a bummer. It's happened a lot. You appreciate the other side of it so much more. It's like, oh god, this is great playing with our friends and to people that like us, not like playing with people that we think are, you know, dicks or bad music or whatever, and their fans want to fucking kill us. You know, that's that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of work. I mean, but that also you learn from that too, and I think that's that's a lot of what the locust that that a lot of that stuff helped the locust become what the locust was gonna be. Uh, we it was a very confrontational on levels that were like just ridiculous and not even needed. Speaking of the locust, what's in store for the band now? Is there anything happening? I've been I've been I've been kind of seeing bits and pieces of activity. Also, uh, a fairly new Instagram. Yeah. Um, so someone was like, Hey, you got to get your Instagram because there's a fake one and then, you know, whatever. And like, fuck. And this is before we were even doing anything. And so we, we just kind of had it as like a placeholder just for whatever, but you know, we were just kind of on a hiatus for a while and, and, and uh, everybody's lives got kind of busy and complicated. And then eventually we just kind of were casually jamming, um, and, and sort of, sort of working on some songs and stuff. And then, and then I think by circumstances or whatever, like so, someone tried to book us and then we played a show and then we did a few shows and, you know, now it's like, well, we're going to do some, some more touring and stuff and, and we will, we will be writing. Uh, we're going to get back to jamming soon. I think everybody kind of, the holidays slowed things down and then I went to LA to record for a dead cross record. So, but now we're going to start jamming. So yeah, there's locust stuff. It's just, kind of at a, a much slower pace than I think most bands function at. I think probably too, because there, there's so much going on with, with everyone's individual lives. Plus, you know, with, with everything on your plate and the Dead Cross records. So does that mean that there's touring ahead for both Dead Cross and the Locust this coming year? Or is it is it all kind of up in the air? Oh, there's definitely Locust stuff already being booked. I just don't know the dates. But then Dead Cross... I assume something will happen. Um, it's just that that's even crazier as far as those schedules. I mean, I think like with our drummer being in suicidal tendencies and the misfits is kind of insane as far as like his schedule. And then, yeah. I mean, we were recording and he had to go fly to Philly to play with the misfits during the middle of our, our tracking our 
you know, album. And then, of course, with Patton, he's got a bunch of like Faith and More stuff coming up. So I, I think everybody's like a little, a little busy. But I think once the record comes out, not to say anything bad about our previous efforts, but it's going to be better. Like our our first record was like just not written and 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 released or as as like a normal record or normal band should. So so I think like this new one is like we finally found our skin and and I think it'll speak for itself and I think it'll it'll warrant. I think I'm hoping and I'm assuming it'll warrant us to do like proper touring and stuff. And what about retox? How about um how about anything for 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 that or or is re, is retox kind of on the back it's, burner for now? It's kind of done, I think. Um Mike the guitar player quit and so we just stopped. <laughs> so that was that was that was that. Um which is fine. You know, I think like things run its course and I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Was it a, an amicable departure or was I think was that it? like everybody just kind of got it just got like you know, in the band we had two, three, ba- three different bass players and three different drummers. You know, and so I think, I think, I think at some point Mike might have just got fed up and he was just kind of like, eh. And and I think he got busy with with his, with one of his newer bands and, and and stuff. So like, he just was like, yeah, well, I think it's done. I'm like, all right, and you know, we just move, you just move on. I mean, we're still in Dead Cross together, and I love the guy. Mm. Uh, it's just, I just think we kind of had to like let some stuff go. But I mean, maybe we'll do something again. I don't know. Does each band kind of serve a different purpose, or do you find yourself tapping into the same the same place in your mind when when you perform or when you write? Or uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, totally. Because um, sometimes I feel like um, with like I don't know, like I guess a good comparison would be like performing with Retox, where it's got like more, it's got like a like a it's like nasty, you know, and like a, there's like a bite to it, where it's like it's like a rabid dog, I guess, or something. And yeah. then it'd be like playing with like planet B where it's like almost like, I don't know, like electronic hip hop or something. And and there's like, you can actually like dance to it, you know? And, and, and it's not quite uh, like brutal vocals. It's like, I got to kind of sing this shit or something, you know? So there's, so there's, and it's not as like sonically, um, you know, like, like retox felt like it was like sort of like, sonically violent i guess you know or like are like dark or like right. something like i mean fuck to me planet b feels like the same thing but it, it's not as like it's not quite as aggressive you know and also the instrumentation done different and also playing with different people has a different vibe you know so so like i don't know it's hard everything's different um it's interesting right because it's like when, when you come from a place of there's almost like core things that have to be there, and of course, like a, a genuine output and, and like uh, a level of expression. But when you think about playing with different, I mean, that's actually another good point that you say. Um, the collaboration with different people makes it different. It makes it sound different. It feels different. Totally. Um, but it's like, yeah, because I was like, I was listening to a little bit of Dead Cross this morning actually, and you know, I've been familiar with Retox for a while, and and there, there is a sonic difference. I mean, Dead Cross is still like fucked up and heavy, but like it, it, the the difference in the output. And I think you describe Retox perfectly as like it's like a rabid dog. You know, it's like it's very, it has like a real bite to it. It's really just it, it's unrelenting, and it, it just it's not has... nice musically. You know, like that's right. You know, Dead Cross is mostly nice either, but there's some stuff that's like kind of punk rock and that and like the Dead Cross record, which which is something that I'm not the biggest fan of, where like it's like almost like 
it's like playing to like, you know, like it's like, that's kind of adorable now. It's not, it's not <laughs> like, you know, it's not like aggressive, aggressive, like minor threat was back then, you know, like, like you play in a band that's something like minor threat now, you're like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, oh my God. <laughs> so, uh, that's something that I think Retox would never have like sort of, um, embraced, you know, it's like, Nothing yeah, it's almost, it's almost like you guys were constantly like like on this tightrope, you know. Like, that's how like like the sound reminded. That's what the sound reminded me of is like this sort of you know precarious element of it, and just like you just never know where the song's going to turn, and the whole time you're just getting like kind of beaten over with this distortion and and just fucked up noise. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I would say that that for me personally, like that would be a band or at least its sound would would be the thing that would really speak to me as far as like, like creative output or expressive output. And I, I mean, I've played in different bands as well and they all sound wildly different. And, and I guess, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just echoing back what, what, what you said a couple of minutes ago about just how it's always different when you play with different people sure. and, and the Especially band. Especially live. Yeah, yeah for sure. Look- Fuck man, looking back, like even as a singer or a, or a bassist, like looking back at the drummer that I'm playing with has such an impact on, on, on like a vibe that I will feel when I look at someone and I'm like, yeah. oh fuck, or like, like in a good way, you know, or like I don't know, like I don't, know. it's hard to like articulate the expressions over over like you know just like in a, in a conversation, you know, yeah, but you're no, just I like fuck, ah, you know, whatever, oh my god, you know, like <laughs> you know, you, you feed off each other's energy and stuff. I think that's really really important. So I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it does kind of depend on that, that well, like that edge to it, you know? For sure. And speaking of drummers, I was going to ask you, are you still in touch with Jose Palafox? Of course. I love that guy. Amazing. How? Yeah. Uh, what, what's he been up to? He's doing really good, but I don't think he plays drums anymore, and it's such a bummer uh, because... Such a shame. Yeah. It was crazy because he's definitely like really influenced by by jazz music so it was it was always kind of like uh a heavy sense of improv was added to stuff and so it was really kind of hard like we did some like some like stuff together um playing music of swing kids um not too long ago i don't know maybe 10 years ago i don't know how many years ago but um it was weird to come back to that and go like oh fuck like this isn't quite as um dependable as far as like let's say what I would expect from like Gabe Serbian's drumming, you know, where you're like, this is the fucking beat here. And like with Jose, it was just like, Oh shit, there goes that symbol. And he's like now punching his drums and what the fuck is happening? Where's the, where's the one, you know, like, ah, you know, and for fortunately for me as a singer, I can just do whatever I want. You know, it doesn't matter that right. way, but I was like, fuck this. Like if I was the bassist right now, I'd be so bummed. Like where's the one or, or you know, essentially it's like up to the bassist to kind of keep it. Um, you know, keep it locked down. But um, yeah, I mean, and I'm into that kind of like aspect of anarchy when it comes to music. But but I'm also like really into like and spent a lot of my time like focusing on structure and and being very rigid as far as like this is how it's gonna play out and this is the dynamic that we're gonna have every single time this happens. You know, so with Ho- with Jose, it was always like fucking good luck. You know, here you go, here we go. I know. I know. Well, it, it it evolves over time. Like again, like like when you're younger to, to, to now it's, it's an evolution of not only, well, I mean, I, I guess there's certain things that stay the same in terms of like, like punk rock ethics and philosophy, but as far as like the actual music element of it, 
when you're, I just feel like when you're younger, like you can't, it's really hard to replicate that same thing. You know, even though like, like, like Jose, just stylistically, I mean, of course this, this was almost 20, 25 years ago. We're talking about, um, in terms of his work on, on like swing kids and swing kids, seven inch and all that. But like, yeah, when, when you talk about now about like song structure and tone and, mm-hmm. and, and all that, it's, I think that's something that just kind of comes over time, right? Like, like, cause, cause beyond being, being a punk, it's like when you're a musician and your understanding of music changes and evolves, that's, that, that kind of almost, it can't not come into play when you're doing it for so long. Yeah. But I started playing drums with Jose. And then I think after that, it was like the original drummer for the Locust, Dave Astor, and then Gabe Serbian, who had a very similar kind of like um, technique, you know, and it was like, I remember kind of finding out that like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't have to change every time we play this song, you know, like, oh, it could be the same. And this is, this is really fascinating, you know, because before I thought like, I don't know what, I don't know, like you just do whatever you want or the the drums would kind of change depending on the vibe of the audience or or the recording (laughs) or something, you know, and, and, um, well, it's funny because that's very, that's very, that's very like, jazz like <laughs> totally and also yeah. too like i was used to like there being um you know like kind of like musical crescendos where it's like i think mm. when the locust started playing it was just fucking full on at 10 always you know like there's no there's no soft parts it's just like we're brutal from the start to the finish and that's that's just how the songs are going to be you know i also think too with with the locust um you know beyond beyond its sort of sonic assault um I really love that you guys back then were were really making an effort to create an identity. Even if you, if you even if you didn't realize that that's kind of what was taking place, but even even like the sort of costuming, I guess you can call it costuming, like like the masks and, and the the body suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Were, like what what inspired that? You probably answered that a million times. Sorry, but um, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like you know, I mean, for us, we you know, we looked at other bands that like sort of had uniforms. You know, I mean even like the Beatles, you know, they all had like a uniform and, and, and also too, like bands, like, you know, even like airborne radar, like they had a uniform and that shit looked rad. Um, yeah, Evo no shit. looked rad, you know? So we were like, ah, and, and so the weird thing was like, we were just getting, before we had uniforms, people were just talking a lot of shit about the way we looked. And it was fucking lame because it's like, well, you know, we're, we're punks. We're in the, we're part of, we're playing like punk music to like a punk community. Like, why do you need to make fun of us or criticize us for our hair or our pants or whatever? Like, I don't know. There was no room to crit. Like, it was just like, we're not elitist. We're not dicks. We're not racist. I don't know whatever the fuck people's problem was. Like, you know, it was like, where is, why are, why is everyone mad at us? So it was like, all right, well, fuck you. We're going to just go like yeah. 100% like absurdity. And then that'll be it, you know? And, and I think that might've like kind of been a little, shocking to certain people and 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 and, uh, and and it's rad too because i do see a lot of like people that are like they're not you know fucking grindcore or like you know they're, they're you know are like i like to before they had to wear their uniforms and it's like well i don't they don't really care you know and it's like we just we're sick of hearing people complain about shit that didn't matter to us like yeah you want to be upset that our you know i don't know the style of our pants are a certain way but it's like i don't know there's a there's like a war happening right now and on, on, on the, you know, in the world or like there, you know, there's like injustices yeah. happening in the world. Like you're mad about our pants, you know? Okay. Well, fuck you and fuck exactly. or whatever else, you know, seriously. Um, well, in a way it's almost like your, 
your decision to do that, it, it, it successfully separated, it almost separated you further from the people who were still coming to the shows but still had an opinion about how you look. <laughs> or it's like, fuck you, you know, it's like, okay, if you're, you're going to say that, well, then we're just going to keep going further away. And Well, and it, it did tie into, like, I think real, like, I think real punk aesthetics, you know, like, yeah, to yeah. me, it, 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 I thought about, like, how the Sex Pistols must have felt in the '70s when they were like lit, wearing literal trash, or or like um, I don't know, like even even more like sort of like avant garde stuff, or like 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 James Chance, you know, like wearing a suit, you know, like and playing a saxophone and being a punker, you know, like that's cool. Like I think it's super I wear a cool. fucking suit. Yeah, and then I also mean, too, like I mean, it, right before we started wearing uniforms, it was like you know you got to think like a few years before that there was the whole like look like the mod thing happening in, in San Diego. And like, so, and that, that was cool. Like it looked rad. Like having, looking like a mod was just as, I guess, weird or ridiculous as looking like you're in the exploited, you know, like, and it was, it was just a, it was just, um, a uniform, you know? I mean, fuck in some sense, we, everybody was at war, you know, like war was something war with society and, and social standards and stuff, you know? And it was like, that's how you can identify like, Oh, there's my comrade over there. Like that person is, a, is also a weirdo. Like we're the same uh, opposed to like the things that we were fighting against, you know, like well, I cops, love and cops and shit. I mean, I love that perspective because it reminds me of what we were talking about when we were talking about the, the label and sort of three, one G's aesthetic it, in a similar way. It reminds me of, of, that in terms of creating sort of um well you're 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 essentially creating your own world through your creative choices like like whether it's it's the type of music you play or the people you collaborate with or even what you wear you know and it's just funny because of course <clears throat> even in the punk scene it's almost worse than the punk scene i've found over the years that <laughs> dude i know that, that punks is. are so fucking negative and they're yeah. so short-sighted yeah. and for for a, a culture that's supposed to be accepting and open open minded, I found over the years it was often not the case. And in a similar way, my band we we kind of had similar challenges where you know as an East Coast band we were playing hardcore that was not your typical uh, straight edge hardcore or tough guy hardcore or metalcore. Yeah, and we really struggled finding our place in the scene and when we were playing local shows in Connecticut where we grew up it took a really long time for us to kind of break through because kids were just not very accepting of what we were doing because they didn't understand it or they just sure. they thought what we were doing was just whack or not or it, it didn't adhere to a particular uh, template or format you know and, but but don't you think okay correct me if I'm wrong but don't you think like as much as you were experiencing that there were kids that were like what is this i don't understand it i'm down you know and they were like all about it and so the thing is that's fucked up is like the negative shit the harder shit is what sticks out you know it's always like you know reading like a negative review is gonna like be way worse than like or like way more impactful than reading like 10 positive ones you know so it's like i feel like i mean fuck i know that there were kids that were psyched on your band and psyched on my band because it was like weird shit and they're just like fuck i found a home like i don't understand what it is that's perfect yeah, no, absolutely, and and I, I just think it took time, and I think the initial motivation for us, because of how we were 
received or not received um, yeah. where we grew up. That that compelled us to get the fuck out of there. You know, that yeah. compelled us to get in a station wagon that I bought for 350 bucks and make it across the country and back. And Damn. along yeah. the way, we, we met some amazing people and, yeah. um, and, and played with, with amazing bands. And it was wild. But I think that if we weren't pushed to really get out, we would have never become the band we became. So yeah, yeah you're right. Like, like that, that sort of idea of 10 negative or I'm sorry, 10 positive reviews versus the, you know, the, the really scathing review. Yeah. It's like you find more fuel in, in sort of the, 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 the one scathing review. I mean, we've definitely had more than one, <laughs> but, um, the scathing reviews are awesome. I mean, I'm like, I get so they're psyched. ridiculous. I love that stuff. But but this that takes us full circle in the conversation because you think about like what I said earlier, like about um, like who you are and what you are. You know that yeah. you were experiencing that you were you were forced to figure that out. You know, because I think a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, I'm a straight edge hardcore dude, and I like, you know, I want to I want to just do this like sort of like masculine like fucking musical jerk off thing that that nothing's wrong with straight edge and hard straight edge, whatever. I'm, I, it's anything metalcore whatever the fuck you want to call it metal punk it's the same shit like you're just like oh here i am like i've arrived and you just kind of like roll with it you know and it's like i don't know i think that's a kind of a drag totally um, and and i feel like for for you know for you or myself or bands that you've been in bands i've been in like you kind of figure out it, it, it almost creates a navigation for you along the way where it's like okay uh this this metalcore thing or like i mean again like like I've listened to all kinds of punk rock, you know, I mean, I'm not like saying that I've never listened to, uh, you know, chain of strength or like, uh, Today I, love chain or, of strength. I mean, totally. I mean, me too. And, but I think what we're talking about is sort of like these pockets within our culture that have particular vibes or kind of have like an overarching, um, kind of mindset, I guess. And, yeah. and I almost feel like we were like the weird kids who, who kind of, we we sought after some other kind of area that we can go to and feel comfortable with being in. And and to what you were saying about how some people or some kids would discover our band along the way and be like, oh, this is this shit's rad or like this is cool, I can get down with it. And that definitely happened over time. And then suddenly, as we toured more, that's when we started seeing bands like, um, you know, like The Locust or Reversal Man. Um, I, I mean, God, my God, who else? There, there's, I, I'm kind of drawing a blank just because. Yeah, but so but you, like, but you find so many you find out that there's yeah. there is a different community, you know, like another different like kind a of sub. Song. It's like a sub sub genre. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny though? Like not not to derail where we're going with this, but like, no, no. Um, it's funny to think about like Chain of Strength is a good example because Chris Bratton played in all leather. Um, uh, like we, all right. He played like, but never, never live. Like just Chris Bratton from Chain of Strength, you know, like, Oh, he's, he's going to try out and play bass in all leather. Like it was totally weird and surreal. And I love that. But, but uh, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. There's weird, it's, like it's, it's, so no offense to anything, you know, I wasn't like trying to criticize Spanish hardcore, but it, but but no, it, but even not. like that is an interesting thing because like you know I grew up putting records out on on Ebullition, you know, and so I thought like okay, there's like this sort of scene with Ebullition, and then it was weird to me because when Heart Attack was a zine and happening, I just remember reading them and like seeing how like they were always talking shit about Antioch Arrow, and I'm like, wait a minute, Antioch Arrow are my fucking friends, they're just like everybody else, like 
why are people talking shit about Antioch Arrow? And so then it made me kind of like identify more with Antioch Arrow more than I would with, you right. know, like whoever on, 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 on ebullition, like where I felt like there was almost like this sort of like ultra conservativeness where like you had to be this certain, like if you're punk, well, you have to be like this. And it's like, I mean, dude, it, 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 it felt like that for a, a big part of that time. And it was, it was, it was, again, it was, it was an unfortunate thing that, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it really derailed any of us, but, but yeah, when you observe it, you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Like, aren't we all supposed to be in this together? Or, or, or I guess not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of the people that me or like, I don't know, the locust or whoever has like fought, it has been other like people from like the punk community, like physically fought. And you're just like, why, why are we, why are you fighting us? Like, this is, you're fighting us. You're not fighting like, you know, the like oppressive forces or injustices in the world or you're, you're fighting like a fucking punk band. Like it's just, it, it's beyond me, you know, like we spent a and lot of time the, and, and a lot of energy and a lot of money replacing, you know, our gear and our fucking van and shit, you know, because like just people were dicks. And where do you think these were punk kids or these were people? Yeah. Who saw you? Oh, they're showing up at our shows. Like, fucking one to fight us see that's again that's that's counter to the whole idea of what punk rock should be you know totally I mean, just straight up hateful you know well it's also like you know there was that thing where like jello biafra got beat up at gilman because he was jello biafra like that's fucking lame dude like whatever your opinion is on jello and his music and stuff that dude started shit that fucking changed the Dude, I mean, we can, we can go on another tangent about Dead Kennedys, but like they were no, the I best know. musicians at that time. They were the they were the fucking smartest. They were creative. They were unique. Like all these things, and it's like you're gonna fucking beat the guy up. Like that's just lame. And he was like, you know, an older and 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 he was like an adult. He was probably I don't know how old he was. There's like a bunch of punk young ass punk ass kids beating him up. And Gilman seems like probably the fucking most non punk thing you could possibly do. Completely. I mean, I haven't, I haven't observed a lot of it, but when when I was younger, um, I mean, honestly, man, like I, I actually had to walk away from it for a little while because I, I think after touring with JD for like two years or however long it was, and I, we kind of just hit this wall and then we kind of we we just stopped, you know, and then I kind of just I disappeared. I mean, I moved to New York and then like you know just kind of I walked away from it for a long time because. It wasn't necessarily the, the that aspect of punk that made me um, leave, but but it sort of it at, at least this is my personal take on it. But like it just became really stagnant to me, and and it was sort of like I felt like the the, the culture was spinning its wheels, and I had to get out of it because I felt like I felt like I was stuck for a long time. You yeah, know? yeah. And then here we are now in 2020, and. Yeah, you know, JD JD put out a record last year, and we did a bunch so of touring, right. and it it was it was it's been good. And I also realized that that touring as much as we did this past year is just uh, much more challenging at forty than it was at twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It was, yeah. it was really fun, and we played with some great bands. We actually toured with Daughters, who I I think you're oh, cool. friends with, right? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. They were great. Um, we did a, a month in Europe together, and oh, cool. It was uh. It was really. Oh, so you cool. were with John from Warsaw Was Raw. He was playing bass for them, I think. Or no, maybe maybe it was um, 
Maybe Chris from Mets was playing bass. Either way, I love those guys. That's rad. It makes sense, yeah. though, you know? It makes sense that you would tour with them. Yeah, I mean, they, they I don't know, they, they, they were great, and, um, you know, they really took us in with open arms. And I think one thing that was really nice about this return for, for my band was um, just, like, how supportive so many people were about the idea. And, um, and yeah, daughters were, were instrumental in that and, like, getting us uh. out on the road and... But yeah, no, it was, it was it was cool. I just I don't know what's next for us, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I, we are we're gonna do some shows in Europe in April, but um, it's funny. I still kind of have like a foot out the door because I'm just not sure like where where to take it. But whatever, it'll it'll go where it needs to go. But that's how it was when we were starting it, right? You know, you never really knew what I didn't know what I was doing until I looked back and like, oh fuck, that's what we did. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe there are like parallels to, to how it was because it's a different that's true. era that's but true. it's also what i said that's true i agree yeah i mean it's a different landscape but we i don't know our brains are wired a certain way and so i think we we might we might do stuff dude i have no idea what i'm doing right now but in like 10 years i'd be like oh fuck that's what i was doing yeah of course of course that was what i was doing you know exactly but like, right? And again, uh, it, it brings it brings us back again, full circle, um, about that theme of of like the difference between what you are and who you are, and and I, I really love that. That's that's kind of cool how that became a thread in this conversation because <laughs> here we are, older, wiser, <laughs> uh, still don't know what the fuck we're doing, uh-huh. but we're trying. Yeah, and, and uh, we know maybe what we are, but we're still trying to figure out who we are. Sure, you know, but um. I think on that note, I think we could wrap it up here, Justin. Cool, cool. Thank so, you so um, much. Yeah, man, this was so great. And um, this is episode number four of MicroSpy. Um, right. A new thing for me, just trying to, uh, you know, take advantage of documenting. Um, it's funny, it's like better late than never, but I, I, I'm trying to just uh, document or take advantage of having conversations with people who've kind of helped shape my my world and perspective on punk rock and creativity and all that so yeah i really appreciate you doing the call i know it's been about an hour so but i appreciate you too and dude i'm glad you even just exist because like i don't know that's that's what makes um rad stuff happen like like i'm psyched that you're that you're you're in this world (laughs) you know like that's fucking cool well, back at you. I really appreciate cool. it. it. Means a lot. Thanks, man. But um, but yeah, man. Um, we'll we'll talk soon. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll just I'll be in touch on occasion. I'll check in on you and see what's going on with with thank uh, you the records and stuff. But um, again, dude, thank you so much, and uh, I'll definitely I'll see you around the way. Yeah, the